All right. Well, uh, we'll get started. Let me open us up in a quick word of prayer. Uh, Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for uh, the sermon. We thank you that the one thing that is necessary in life is that we would uh, be right with you, that we would have fellowship with you, God, and and um, that fits perfectly into what we're going to be talking about during this class, Father, that there are many people uh, who are not right with you, Father, that they do not have uh, fellowship with you, Father, because of their sin, and we have the privilege, uh, the responsibility, and the opportunity as believers to proclaim the good news of Christ, uh, his death, his, his burial, and his resurrection to those who uh, who need you. And so, Father, we just pray that as we go throughout this class, we pray that this morning, Father, that you would grow our hearts in compassion, Father, that our hearts would break uh, for those who do not know you, Jesus, and that you would equip us, that you would help us to learn how to go and to proclaim the gospel to the people that we care about. Um, and so, Father, we just thank you for this opportunity. We thank you uh, for this privilege and, and the ability to be here this morning. I just pray this in your name. Amen. All right, uh, so this class, uh, I called it Seek and Save the Lost. Uh, we're going to grow together in compassion for and outreach to uh, the lost. And so I'll be defining a lot of these terms as we go throughout it. Uh, a lot of terms I'll use are kind of interchangeable, lost, uh, non-believer, unbeliever, uh, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Um, but we want to uh, model our, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so our theme uh, verse for this class is Luke 19.10. Uh, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Uh, this is exactly what Brian was just talking about, even uh, with the sermon this morning. Uh, but this was what Jesus came to do, was to seek and to save the lost. And, uh, and we want to become more like Christ uh, in every area, in every area of our life. Uh, and this is one of them. This is one, I think, that for believers, uh, that we may be, um, maybe not intentionally, but maybe put on the back burner as far as becoming more like Christ in this area. Uh, and so that's what we want to do during this class, is become more like Christ uh, and that we would be people who would seek uh, and save the loss. Uh, evangelism is my heartbeat. Um, I, I love evangelism. I got saved uh, my sophomore year of college. Uh, thankfully, uh, I was around a group of believers, a, a good college ministry, a good church, uh, where it was just normal. That's just what Christians did. Christians shared their faith. Uh, that's if you were a Christian, you told other people about Jesus. Uh, and so from my beginning days of being a believer, I had that modeled for me. Um, I got to watch people share their faith. I saw them. I saw the importance of it in their life. Uh, and so then that's what I did. And they taught me how uh, everything that I'm going to be talking about in this class, teaching on things of that nature were things that I was taught uh, when I was at SEMO. And, um, and by God's grace, I've had the privilege to share the gospel with hundreds uh, hundreds of college students, people of all ages, um, all different countries, continents, backgrounds, all sorts of things. Um, but I love it. I, I, love sh I love sharing the gospel with people because I really believe um, that this is the most important news uh, that, that most people don't know. Uh, or at least don't know well, or don't know clearly, or if you were to ask them, how, how do I get into heaven, uh, they, they wouldn't know. And, uh, and so my heartbeat is, that, is to tell them, is to tell them about the good news of the gospel. And so you'll, you'll hear that uh, as we go throughout this class. Um, you're, you'll hear my passion, my care, my zeal uh, for evangelism. And a lot of that is just rooted in is because I was once lost. Uh, I was um, not seeking after God. I was not going to come to church uh, I was not looking to grow in my relationship with God. I was not looking for a college ministry when I showed up to college, but there were men 
uh, who pursued me, who built a relationship with me, and who pointed me and told me about Jesus. Uh, and I'm standing here today because of, obviously, God's grace and God's the one who saved me, but that these men were faithful, that they were willing to be uncomfortable, uh, that they were willing to even have me reject them and, and say no and not go to their Bible study and not want anything to do with it. Uh, and so you'll, you'll hear that, just my passion for it as we go throughout the class. Um, but I would say there's two main purposes that um, I want to accomplish throughout our time together. And the first one is I want to develop a deeper prayer life and compassionate heart for the lost. Um, I really believe, and we're going to cover this a lot next week. Next week, we're going to talk a lot about prayer, compassion, um, being brokenhearted for those who don't know Christ. Um, But I really believe that this is um, probably the biggest thing that, uh, in a sense, pushes us over the edge as believers to go tell people about Christ. Um, If we really care. Uh, if we're really praying for and care about people knowing Jesus, uh, that will change us, uh, that will change our motivation, and that will uh, encourage us to go and proclaim the gospel to others. So that's the first thing I want to accomplish. And the second one is to be equipped to practically share the gospel with the people that God has placed around you. Okay? And so throughout this class, I'm going to be sharing resources, I'm going to be sharing books, tools, trainings, um, a lot of stories, things that have gone well, things that have gone not well, uh, as I've been trying to share my faith over the last eight years. And uh, and so, uh, but I I want us to become equipped uh, to share the gospel, but specifically to be able to share the gospel with people that God has placed around us. Uh, And I'm going to expand here right now on what I mean by that. Uh, and because there's a lot of different methods of evangelism, okay? There's a lot of different methods of evangelism, and what I want to start by saying is that any evangelism is better than no evangelism, okay? Any evangelism is better than no evangelism, okay? It's kind of like this. Uh, I've never had bad Mexican food, okay? I love Mexican food. I've just never, I've never once had bad Mexican food, okay? But I've had better Mexican food, okay? I've had better Mexican food, and I've had worse Mexican food, but I've never had bad Mexican food, right? And so throughout this class, uh, we're going to be looking at a specific way, uh, a specific method of evangelism, um, but any way of evangelism is still a good way of evangelism, right? It's, it's Any evangelism is better than nothing, and a lot of these other methods that we're not going to cover, which I'm about to share with you in a second, are still good, and I still do those things, uh, but like for sake of time and, and some other reasons, but here, here's one method of evangelism. It's open-air preaching, uh, you know, just standing, telling people about Jesus with a microphone or maybe without a microphone. In, in big cities, this happens a lot. Uh, at SEMO, there'd be a group that would come once a year, uh, and they would stand at, outside of the library at SEMO, and they would just do this basically all day, uh, and it would get a really large crowd. It would get a lot of people. Uh, it would get a lot of people really angry uh, really fast. Uh, People would be screaming at them, cussing at them, all sorts of things. Uh, But this is one method of evangelism, open-air preaching. Another method of evangelism is tracts. So just going around, handing out tracts. If you've never seen a tract, it's just a little tiny pamphlet that just explains how to become a Christian. Uh, There's all sorts of different ones. Um, You could just go around and hand them out. Uh, A lot of people just leave them places. Uh, So I'm a frequenter at Panera on Dirksen, and there's always a track. I don't know who does it, but there's always a track in the men's bathroom, okay? Uh, I think it's a little weird. I never pick it up, right? It's like we're in the men's bathroom, but it's like there's always one there, okay? And so uh, that's a... That, that, that's a method of um, evangelism or even going along with the track thing. Like whenever I'm at Panera or something like that, I'll set out my Bible or I'll set out a book or something like that. I'm like, you know, maybe somebody will walk by and say something. That, 
has yet to happen, but maybe one day, right? And so that's another method of evangelism. Another method of evangelism is, um, I don't know how you, what, you, what you call this, cold turkey evangelism. Uh, we called it in campus outreach uh, at CMO, shotgun evangelism. Don't know why, uh, but it's just where you just go up to a stranger. You've never met them before in your life, and you just try to get into a conversation with them and share the gospel with them, right? So I've never met this person. I'm probably never going to see this person again, um, but I'm going to try to get into this conversation uh, and share the gospel with them. Again, I do this. I, I, all of these things I've done, all of these methods I've done, I'm not saying that any of these methods are bad or wrong whatsoever, uh, but these are just some of the methods. Another method is debating, uh, debating people, uh, whether that's you know publicly, like a public debate setting, or just like literally, like I'm just going to try to debate or try to prove to this person uh, that God exists or that they should become a Christian. Um, social media, um, we we love this one. We we love posting things. We love uh, commenting on things. Um, and again, I'm not saying that this is even bad because I shared a sermon. I don't know when it was, maybe five years ago on Facebook, and I heard later from my brother-in-law that my dad actually watched it. Uh, and was asking him questions about it, okay? Uh, and so God could still use social media. I'm not saying that this is a bad form of evangelism or anything like that, uh, but I don't think it's the most effective. Uh, if you've ever been on Facebook comment sections, I've never seen someone change their mind. I've just never seen someone be like, that was a really good point. Uh, I'm going to completely flip my side now. Uh, and so it, just, it just doesn't usually happen, right? But it's still, uh, God can still use it, and we want to use uh, social media in good ways. Um, but what we're going to talk about in this class is what I call relational evangelism. Relational evangelism. Uh, you can call it whatever you want to call it. I also call it lifestyle evangelism. So if you hear me say that throughout this class, that's what I'm talking about. Um, but what I mean by relational evangelism is literally evangelism in the context of a relationship. Uh, that with the people that God has placed around me, I'm seeking to build a relationship with them, to be friends with them, to get to know them, to care about them. So that way I can share the gospel with them. Um, these are people uh, that, that I'm going to get to see multiple times. So this is kind of the big difference between this and cold turkey evangelism. Um, these are people like my neighbors. These are people, uh, whatever your hobby is, right? If you go to a gym or if you go to a coffee shop, people that you see all the time, your, uh, your, your mail worker maybe even, your coworkers, your family, your friends, whoever it may be. Uh, but what we're going to talk about throughout this class is relational evangelism. Uh, how do we share the gospel uh, with unbelievers in the context of a relationship? And so as we go, I'll talk even about, uh, it's not for a couple weeks, about like how to uh, get into, how to build a relationship uh, with an unbeliever. Uh, but for now, that's uh, where I'll leave this. But <clears throat> I, I, I really believe that this is, in my opinion, the most effective way to do evangelism. Again, I'm not saying that the other ones don't work, okay? Uh, but I, I've seen in my life, uh, I've seen over the course of the last, you know, eight, nine years of doing this, that usually when I, if I were to just stand on the street and preach the gospel at someone, they're probably not going to want to talk to me ever again. Uh, and even the thing at the SEMO uh, that I was explaining, those people would come and they would proclaim the gospel, and then there would be people that we would get to share the gospel with every single week that would come to our Bible studies, all these things. And they just were like so put off by those people. And again, I'm not saying that that was wrong, but they were just like, man, I, I don't, I don't want to talk to those people. I don't want anything to do with those people. But then we would leave that and go to lunch and we would talk about Jesus uh, because we had a relationship with these people. And, uh, and so I really believe that this is an effective uh, way to share the gospel. I think it shows, uh, it models the love and care that Christ had uh, for people. 
Uh, and, uh, and I really do think that it gives us the best opportunity um, to even have multiple conversations with someone, that it's not just a one-and-done conversation. Usually, um, people don't come to Christ the very first time you share the gospel with them. Um, that's not usually what happens. Sometimes it does, but that's not usually what happens. And so and with this method of evangelism, it allows us multiple opportunities, uh, and hopefully for a long period of time with certain people, uh, to get to continually share the gospel uh, with them and show them that we love them as well. Um, any, any questions so far? I should have prefaced with that at the beginning, that feel free at any point to raise your hand, ask questions. Yeah, Joe. I just when you were mentioning like, um, the difference between relational yep. Open air preaching, whatever you want to call it, yeah. Like Jesus did both. Exactly. Yep. It was a good model. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, and so I, yeah, I think even with all of these different methods, and and that's what I said. I've done almost all of these methods before, and I think there's a time and place for certain ones more than the other, right? Uh, again, if I'm uh, on an airplane and I'm sitting next to this stranger, okay, uh, I don't have a lot of time to build a relationship with them and get to know them and know everything a lot about them. And so if I want to share the gospel with them, it's going to have to be just cold turkey. We're just going to have to strike up a conversation and start going, right? And so there's a time and place for all of them for sure. Do I see another hand or no? Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, but what I mean by lifestyle evangelism is that my life, that literally my lifestyle as a believer is that I'm intentionally living my life seeking to evangelize the lost. Um, re- that regardless of my profession, regardless of where I live, regardless of how old I am, regardless of what my hobbies are, uh, whatever those things are in my life, that my life, I'm seeking to be intentional, that there are people around me who don't know Christ, and so I'm trying to live my life in a way uh, that I'm intentionally seeking to evangelize the lost around me. That's what I mean by a lifestyle of evangelism. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I didn't even think about that one. Uh, I've always wanted to do surveys, actually, um, because I, I feel like it's a good way to get into the conversation, right? Just like, oh, I just got a couple questions for you. But yeah, that would be another method for sure. All right, we're going to keep going. And so what we're going to cover in this class is what I call the ABCs of effective evangelism. Uh, I made it simple because I'm, I think, very simply. Uh, and so, um, but, but I really think if you have these three things in your life, that you're going to be set up well as a believer to live a lifestyle of evangelism. And, and so, A, uh, we need to be aware of the biblical command and the need for evangelism. Uh, B, we need to be becoming brokenhearted for the lost. And C, we need competence in evangelism or, or the skill, the, the how-to in evangelism, okay? And so for today, we're going to cover A. We're going to cover the awareness of the biblical command and the need to evangelize. Next week, we'll cover B, becoming brokenhearted for the lost. And then the remainder of the class, will go C. We'll do tools and trainings on how practically to share the gospel with unbelievers. But I, I, I really think all three need to be there. Because if I have C, for example, if I know how to share the gospel, if I have all the tools and all the training, but I don't believe I'm supposed to, or I don't think there's a need for it, or I just don't care, like I don't have compassion, I'm probably not going to go out and do it, right? Or if I'm really brokenhearted, like I really care deeply that people will come to know Christ, 
but I have no idea what to do or what to say, right? It's probably going to almost make me feel paralyzed if I can't do anything, right? So I really think all three work together perfectly. Uh, And so, uh, but I think we need to start with the first two. um, That kind of gives us the driving force, in a sense, for evangelism, okay? And so today we're going to be talking specifically about um, becoming aware of the biblical command and the need for evangelism, okay? Um, can someone read uh, this for me, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, either in your Bible or on the screen? doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you to the, to the end of the age. All right, this is probably the most famous one. Uh, I'm sure everyone in this room has heard this passage, right? We know that this is the Great Commission, um, the Great Commission that our Lord Jesus gave uh, to the disciples and to his followers. Um, The only thing I really want to highlight with this one is that very first word, go. Um, When Jesus says, go, therefore, and make disciples, it really means as you're going, make disciples, Uh, as you're going throughout life. Uh, This is kind of where we even get the lifestyle evangelism thing, as you're going, Make disciples. Well, whatever you're doing, whatever your uh, career is, whatever your passions are, whatever your hobbies are, wherever you live, as you're going throughout life, make disciples. Uh, evangelize, teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Uh, make disciples as you're going uh, throughout life. And so that is the great commission from the Lord Jesus. Uh, could someone read this one? Mark sixteen fifteen. Yeah, praise All right, um, basically saying the same thing, just in Mark, okay, the Great Commission, go, make, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Acts 1.8, someone read that. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Hmm. Yeah, and so God's method, God's plan for evangelizing the world is that we, his followers, would take it to the ends of the earth. Um, that we are the means um, that God has uh, ordained that to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth. Um, that God could have done it however he wanted to. Uh, that he could have wrote it in the sky. Uh, he could have made rocks speak. Uh, but God's uh, means for bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth is us. Uh, his followers that we would proclaim uh, the gospel to the ends of the earth. And then this last one, I'm not going to, uh, no, nah, actually, can someone read the whole thing? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, please. Thank you. I, I think this passage is um, really profound um, because we get in verse 17, uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, right? We, we love that verse. It's a, a beautiful verse talking about someone coming to know the Lord and they're a new creation. And then just a, sh- a, a short few verses later, it's saying, now you're his ambassador. 
to go and to implore people to be reconciled to God. And so the call to evangelize is not just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries. It's not for paid people. It's for all believers, all Christians. If you are, if you are in Christ, if you are a new creation, you are called to be an ambassador for Christ. Uh, and so the command is not just for ministers. It's not just for the, the people that are gifted or, or the people that uh, have specific training in it or anything like that. But all Christians uh, are called to share the gospel uh, with unbelievers. Um, there are many, many other verses uh, that I don't have time for that I wanted to get into. Uh, but because I had to miss last week, we just won't be able to. Um, but any, any, any other verses that you can think of off the top of your head that I missed? That's okay. All right, here's what we're going to do. I want us to look at two biblical motivations for evangelism, uh, two biblical motivations for evangelism. Um, at the end of the day, it's clearly a command. It's clearly a command that all believers would uh, share the gospel, right? But what, 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 what about motivation? Uh, what about a, we know that we should, but the reality is a lot of Christians don't. A lot of Christians don't share the gospel, whether it's out of fear, uh, whether it's out of a lack of, uh, I don't know how, uh, whether it's a, a lack of even, I don't think it's the command, but maybe it is. Uh, but what about some biblical motivations for evangelism? And I think the first one um, is that we should be compelled by the love of Christ. Second um, Corinthians five fourteen through 15 says, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Um, at the end of the day, why should I share the gospel with people? Um, because the love of Christ compels me. Um, because I've experienced the love and the grace and the mercy of God to save a sinner like me, and because of my love for him, I want to tell other people about him. Um, uh, we, we talk about what we love, okay? Uh, if, if you hung out with my dad for five minutes, okay, you would know very quickly what he loves. And what he loves is the Chicago Blackhawks, okay? He loves the Chicago Blackhawks. I love the Chicago Blackhawks too, uh, right? But you're going to hear about it. He's going to talk about it uh, because what we love, we talk about. And so if we love Christ, if we love him, if we're thankful for what he's done for us, that he would save us, that should compel us to then want to go tell other people about that love, about the one the one thing uh, that is necessary, that we would be right with God and have a relationship with him for all of eternity, right? And so the love of Christ compels us or controls us. And the second one is that we would have compassion for those who don't know Christ. Um, Romans 10, 13 through 15. Uh, could someone read that? Yeah, and I know you're all familiar with all of these passages we've covered before, but I think usually with this verse, we kind of think overseas missions. Uh, we think about people who don't have a Bible and um, things that like Drew and Kara right now are going to translate the Bible and to, and to bring it to people who've never had it before, and certainly that applies to this as well, right? But there's a lot of people here right now who have never heard the true biblical gospel, 
who have never heard uh, that Jesus Christ died for their sins in full on the cross and that it's a free gift and all they have to do is put their faith in the Lord Jesus and he will save them uh, and, and make them a new creation. There's a lot of people who have never heard this gospel and what Paul is saying here in Romans 10 is how are they going to hear unless someone goes? Uh, how are they to know? How, how are they to hear about the good news of Jesus if no one tells them? Uh, and it's our responsibility, our privilege, our joy as Christians uh, that we get to go and tell them, that we get to tell them about the one who saved our soul uh, and who offers to save them as well. And so uh, we care that people don't know Christ, uh, and we care that there's a lot of people who still have never even heard the biblical gospel or uh, heard it a long time ago and now want nothing to do with it and haven't heard it in a while, right? Um, and so any thoughts or questions? Before I move to the next thing. Oh, yep, hello. Just to kind of speak to your point, my daughter is a teacher in a Christian school. She yep. teaches third grade there, and they have to teach Bible in our school. Yeah. But she's like, you know, Mom, these kids in a Christian school don't even know the basic Bible stories, yeah. let alone the gospel. Yeah. Message. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And and by no means do I want to take away from overseas mission work. I do think there's a difference. I think there's a difference. There is a specific need for um, overseas mission work, bringing the gospel to people who have literally never had it. Um, but I think that far too often as believers here in America, we just assume that everyone around us has heard the gospel. Um, that they've heard it clearly and articulately, that they've had a chance. Um, but the reality is that's not true. Um, I mean, you would be surprised how many people I've talked to over the last year and a half who have not gone to church, um, who have no idea about, I mean, they know Jesus, right? That's because they live in America. They know the name of Jesus. They understand Christmas and things like that. But they have no idea what he did on the cross, why he did it, uh, and how they could be saved and be right with God. Um, and that's all around us wherever we go, but specifically even here in Springfield, um, outside of the Bible Belt, even in America. All right. What I want to talk about now is the awareness of the need for evangelism. So we looked at the command, uh, but now what, what about the need for evangelism? Again, I think a part of the reason a lot of times that we don't share our faith is because we kind of assume that it's taken care of. People are doing it. It's, it's happening all around us, uh, but I don't think that's the case. And so first... Uh, I want to look at the need for evangelism among the nations, uh, among the world. If you were, uh, we kind of did like a, a prerequisite to this class like 10 months ago. Uh, I, I taught a couple classes in a joint class with the uh, other interns. And so if you're in that class, this, this part's going to be a little bit of a review, but I think it's, it's helpful for us as we move forward of, of the statistics of the world. So there, um, there's roughly 8 billion people in the world. Um, there are, um, let me look right here. My stuff is a little out of order. I don't know why. Um, speaking of overseas, so we're now, now we're talking outside of America, the nations. Um, there are what we call unreached people groups. Okay? An unreached people group is a people group that is less than 2% evangelical Christian. That's how we classify an unreached people group, less than 2% evangelical Christian. There are 7,402 unreached people groups in the world. That makes up roughly 3.2 billion people. That there are 3.2 billion people in the world today who live in an un, who are unreached, uh, meaning that there's less than 2% evangelical Christians uh, that live in their people group. Um, Christians around the world uh, only make up 
30% of the world, and by Christian in, in that category, I mean literally all of it. I mean, I mean Catholic, Protestant, doesn't matter what it is. If you claim to be Christian in any capacity, that only makes up 30% of the world, uh, roughly 2.4 billion people worldwide. Uh, but it gets smaller as you get more narrow. Uh, evangelical Christians, uh, there's about 400 million worldwide, uh, about 600 million worldwide Protestants. Uh, and so that comes out to about 5%, about 5% of the world would be considered evangelical Christians, okay? And we know, and we'll cover this as we go through the class, it doesn't mean that all of them even are Christians, but that just roughly estimate that 5% of the world is evangelical Christians. So what does all that mean? It means that if we're being generous, 60% of the world does not have a saving relationship with Christ, but more realistically, somewhere between 70 to 85% of the world does not have a saving relationship with Christ. Um, that's pretty staggering. Uh, I mean, that's, that's more than three out of four. I mean, upwards to 85%. We really, obviously, we don't know. There's no point of, uh, the point of these statistics is not to get a spe- very specific exact number, but just to kind of help us think, uh, to think about the state of the world and where we're really at, um, because sometimes we just live uh, kind of right here, right now in our, uh, our bubble. Second one, the need for evangelism in America. Um, this is these statistics that I'm about. The last statistics were from the traveling team, by the way. You can go on their website and find those statistics. These next, next stats are from the Barna Research Group. Um, but currently, just one in four Americans is a practicing Christian. Okay, one in four Americans is a practicing Christian. And here's how they define a practicing Christian a practicing Christian identifies as a Christian, agrees strongly that faith is very important in their life, and they've attended church within the past month. That's, that's, the, that's what they mean by practicing Christian, okay? And so if you fit in that category, that's one out of four, okay? And so obviously, even just based on everybody's reaction, we know that that's a pretty loose definition of a practicing Christian, right? So realistically, it's far less than that. Uh, Pastor Gary has mentioned this before, but uh, 36% fewer Americans attend church weekly now than they did in 1993. So 30, uh, where'd it go? 36%. Fewer Americans attend church uh, since 19... I was born in 1995. Uh, so basically, since I've been born, 36% of Americans have stopped going to church. Um, um, I'm going to kind of blow through some of these because Pastor Gary touched on it not that long ago, but Ligonier Ministries puts out the state of theology every year uh, about kind of what do Americans and what do evangelical Americans believe about God. Um, but here's some, here's some statistics that hopefully will... Um, strike you. Um, So this is just all Americans, not evangelical, okay? Um, This is what they believe about God. Uh, Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. 52% of Americans believe that, okay? 52% of Americans, uh, based on their study, would conclude that Jesus was a great teacher, but he was not God. Um, 53% of Americans would say that the Bible contains helpful accounts of ancient myths, but it's not literally true, okay? So that's a little over half for both of those, for Americans. But what gets really shocking is not the American side of it, but the evangelical side of the survey, okay? And so now what do do evangelicals in America believe? Uh, 17% of evangelicals in America believe that modern science disproves the Bible. Uh, 43% believe that Jesus was a great teacher, but that he was not God. 56% of evangelical Christians in America believe that God accepts the worship of all religions, including Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. 
and 53% of evangelical Christians uh, agree that everyone sins a little, but people are good by nature, okay? That was evangelical Christians, okay? That was not just, we're polling Americans. They, they would claim that they're evangelical Christians, and those are kind of the things uh, that they believe right now. And so what, what does all that mean? So if, if only 25% of, uh, I don't know why it says Christians, Americans, um, if 25% of Americans consider themselves practicing Christians, the reality is we know it's even less than that. Um, that, that there are so many people in America who th- even think that they're Christians, which we're going to talk a lot about last week, but maybe they're not. Uh, and so there is so much work to be done even here in America. And then lastly, and I'll just kind of briefly go through this one, uh, the need for evangelism in Springfield. These statistics are from this random website I found about Sangamon County, uh, of what people check off on their you know, forms or whatever it is on their surveys. Uh, but about 33% of people in Sangamon County claim to be some form of Protestant, uh, and only 21% claim to be evangelical Christians. Okay, And so at best... 66% of Springfield doesn't know Christ, but more realistically, 80-plus percent of Springfield and Sangamon County residents do not know Christ. Um, the reason I just rattled off all those statistics, and unfortunately, and forgive me, I had to fly through that just to kind of make up some time from last week, uh, but the reason I flew through all the statistics was not to fill our heads with a bunch of, like, wow, those statistics are crazy, uh, but it would be that we would grow in compassion, um, that, that we would realize that there are many people around us uh, our neighbors, our coworkers, um, the lady that serves us coffee at Starbucks um, that don't know Christ, uh, who, who, who it is not well with their soul like we sung this morning at church. Uh, and we have the privilege and the opportunity to get to tell them, to get to tell them about the good news uh, of Jesus Christ. Uh, any questions or thoughts? I just want to say one thing. Yep. You were talking about compassion. Yep. Yep. Means we're aware that it's true. Mm-hmm. But when we have a passion, we take personal responsibility yeah. for the fact that they don't know Christ. That leaves us that's to good. a whole other level. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll talk about that throughout this class as well. I think one of the things that is unfortunate um, is that sometimes we even do really care and we want people to come to, to know Christ, but we just assume that maybe someone else is doing it. Right? Maybe someone else is telling them about Jesus. But if we, uh, which is why I really want to focus, and we'll focus next week on prayer um, and growing in compassion for unbelievers. But as we're praying for people, as we're building relationships with people, that the Lord would actually move in our hearts and be like, no, we're the one. God has placed us in their life. Uh, there, there's a reason that we live in our house and these are our neighbors, right? And these are, uh, this is the Starbucks that I go to and this is the gym that I'm a member of, right? God has placed us specifically where we're at and there's people around us um, that God has placed there and we get that opportunity. That's good. All right, lastly, I shared this in my class before, but I, I think it's just so uh, eye-opening. This is a quote by uh, Penn Gillette. He's the guy on the left. Um, uh, last time I did this, I didn't have a photo up, and no one knew who I was talking about, so there's the photo. Uh, they're famous magicians. Uh, and so the guy on the left, he's, a, he's an atheist, uh, and this is what he said about Christians who don't share their faith. Okay, so he's going to say proselytize. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce that correctly. I think I did it right, but he means evangelism, okay? Uh, but here's what he says as an atheist. He says... I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. 
If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, and atheists who think people shouldn't proselytize and who say just leave me alone and keep your religion to yourself, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond the shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe that the truck was bearing down on you, there is a certain point where I tackle you, and this is more important than that. Um, this is an atheist, okay? Um, yeah? I've listened to several interviews with him, and people have come up to him after shows and given him Bibles and talked yeah. to him, and he's very thankful. Like, yeah. And saying, like, this means well, a lot to you, and, you know, like, he, he says he has a high amount of respect for Christians that do that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so kind of the, the reason I even bring this up is because um, my goal for this class is that this would not be true of us, um, that, that, our, that people would not look at us and say, well, you know, you're a Christian, but why have you never told me? <laughs> why, why have you never told me about these things then? Why, why, why are you, you know, is it really worth being socially, or is it not worth being socially awkward? Uh, you know, to, to tell someone about Jesus. And so the goal of this class is that this, this would not be true of us, that we would be Christians who would tell people about the good news of Christ because we really do believe this, right? If we really believe that they're everything that we believe, right, then this is far more important, like he said, than a truck even coming at someone, right? And so we have the opportunity and the privilege to share the gospel with people. Uh, and so throughout this class, uh, we looked at the awareness of the command and the need today, Next week, we're going to be looking at becoming brokenhearted for the lost, uh, and then the remainder weeks, uh, we're going to be doing skills and practical tools and trainings on how to go about sharing the gospel with people. Um, and so I left a little bit of room at the end, uh, I'll, a couple questions if you have questions, um, and then I would like to spend a good three to five minutes at the end of each class just in prayer, uh, uh, leading the class in prayer for um, the us, that we would be bold in evangelism, that we would have opportunities, um, and that God would save people around us even. But any questions uh, or thoughts from this, the, the awareness of the command and the need? Yeah. And especially for me with neighbors, I don't want them to say, oh, here's our lady. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Even though, I mean, I've reached yeah. out to them, I help them. Yep. You know, I've been there for them in emergencies. Yeah. So they exactly. know more yeah. than that. Yet to know where that, you know, one lady in particular, I said, I shared somewhat, and I said, if you ever want to know more, I'm so glad to talk to you. Yeah. I care about you. And she's never approached me. Yep. And now her, her help's really available. Mm. Yeah, good. Yeah, good. Yeah, absolutely. And, and um, I, I think that that's why even um, we're going to be covering throughout this class, and this will come up more, the whole relational evangelism, it'll come up more 
after next week. So once we get into the competence thing, uh, but I think that's why that's so important um, is because of being able to have those opportunities uh, with people consistently throughout our life and to uh, be, even be there for the people that they know that I'm here because I care about them and because I have this relationship as well. Um, but for me, I've just gotten to a point where I just don't really care if I'm that person. Like if they're like, oh, here comes Aaron again. It's like, you know, I've just kind of embraced that. Like I just, just kind of who I am. Uh, it's kind of like, that's kind, that's kind of who I feel like yeah, I even am on campus a little bit. It's like, oh, here's him Aaron to, to talk about, you know, he's going to open up the Bible and talk about Jesus again. And uh, he's just, I've just got an point where it's like, that's all right. You know, if, sure. Like that's who I am. Uh, you know, it's like I have, I think, the most important message in the world. Uh, and so if that's what I'm known for, I'm okay with that. So. Mm. Because they said, all you want to talk about is Jesus. Yeah. And you know, you just take that, you thank the Lord, thank you that that can be said to yeah. you because of his power. Absolutely. And another thing about tracks, when I wasn't uh, saved and uh, people would shove a track at me, I was personally insulted. And it made me very angry. Yeah. And I would think, well, so I look bad to you. And it was the, you know, it was when the hippies were in vogue. And yeah. I thought, oh, so I must look like some unsaved hippie to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About it. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to leave them in hotel rooms yeah. where the thank you notes are made when we're traveling. Yep. So I, I think you just have to prayerfully be careful not to absolutely. shove them in absolutely. face. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, yeah, and and even to go with that, it's like I, I personally, I'm I'm not a big track guy. Again, not because I think they're wrong. I still actually have some. I keep them in my bag. Um, there's times and places even for I feel it's very appropriate. Or if I do get into a cold turkey evangelism scenario and I share the gospel, I'm never going to see this person again. It's good to be able to hand them something and be like, here, take this. And you never know that they might pick that up and read that again six months from now and get saved. Um, and so we're thankful for tracks and to be able to have an abundance of really good uh, tracks. And I can even point you in direct- directions for that as well. Did I see one more hand? Yep. That will talk to them. And then I think, but I might, I might be that person yep. again for someone yep. I'm working with yeah. who has a family member yeah. for them. Yeah. Yeah, you just, uh, that's going to be like basically my theme of the whole next weeks of class uh, is usually as we start praying uh, for people and praying, and we're going to talk a lot about last, uh, next week, praying for people by name. Um, our neighbors, our coworkers, our family, our friends, praying that the Lord would save them uh, and that God would send someone into their life. Usually what happens is we're like, that's probably me. Uh, that's probably me. Uh, that, and the Lord is answering the prayer and I should be the one that goes and does that. Uh, uh, but then also he does answer prayers. Um, uh, the example, and this is kind of how I'll end uh, before I pray, is with my family. And I, I, you, you just mentioned earlier, even family. Family is the hardest uh, in my opinion, to evangelize lost family members. It's so hard. Uh, the same thing is said of me with my family. It's like, you just always want to talk about Jesus. And, uh, and again, I'm okay with that. Uh, and so, but I've, I've had to work. I've had to work to show them, you know, and love them and care for them and to even learn to when to and not talk about it with them. Um, but I, was, I pray for them. I pray for them daily that they would come to know the Lord. And I pray that God would send someone to them uh, so that way they would get the gospel. And my family lives in Jacksonville, and, uh, and we planted Jacksonville Bible Church, and the church is within a baseball throw away from my parents' house. And, uh, and so God does 
send people, right? Um, but he's also used me as well um, to get to share the gospel with my family who probably would have never heard it, uh, if, it was, if someone not had shared the gospel with me and now I get to bring it back to my family, okay? All right, good. Well, let me, um, let me close us in a little bit of prayer. And uh, I look forward to this class. I'm thankful uh, for you all being here today and uh, hopefully you'll come back next week. So let's, let's pray. Um, Father, we, we thank you um, we thank you that you have given us the privilege, the responsibility, the command to, to be your ambassadors. Um, Father, it is a joy. I, I know that for, uh, for many Christians, we don't view evangelism as a joy, but it is a joy that we get to participate in something of such eternal significance that we get to tell people about the good news of, of Jesus Christ and, and by, God's, by your grace and by your mercy. Sometimes we, we see people get saved and we get to see people's lives transformed right in front of our lives and how you work and save them and make them new creations. And, and, um, and so, God, we, we, we thank you. We thank you for this privilege to evangelize the lost. We just pray um, as we go throughout this class that you would grow us in compassion um, God, that we would care deeply about people knowing you, Father, that it would break our hearts as it breaks yours, that people um, live um, apart from you, that they live in their sin, that they don't want you, um, Father, and that that would motivate us to pray, to pray for them, God, because we realize that we can't do anything. We'll cover this throughout this class. We, we can't convince people. We can't open people's eyes to see, Father. All we can do is to be faithful and to point them to Jesus Christ, and, but you are the one who saves. Um, and so, God, would we be people who pray, pray for, pray for people to uh, come to know you. We pray for our neighbors. God, we pray for our families. We pray for our friends. We pray for our coworkers. We pray for um, our, our, our friends at the gym and the coffee shops, whatever it may be, Father. We pray that you would um, help to grow us in compassion for them, Father. Um, God, and we pray that even throughout this class that you would provide us opportunities to share the gospel with those people, Father, that many people would get to hear about the good news of Jesus Christ in this city um, because of believers who have answered uh, to answered the call to be obedient to this command. Um, and so, God, we're just thankful. I really am. I'm thankful that we have this opportunity. I'm thankful that we have the freedom in America to proclaim the gospel um, in all of these different ways. There's many countries around the world where we can't do any of the methods of evangelism that we uh, just said without fear of persecution or fear of death or imprisonment. Um, but we actually here in America, we have nothing to fear. Uh, except that people might not like us or they might think that we're weird or, or whatever it may be, Lord. But we have an immense privilege uh, here in America and an immense freedom to tell people about Jesus. And so, God, we use the, uh, that gift that you've given us to be faithful. Um, God, we, we just think of, I think of specifically my family um, and our, any, anyone in here who has family that does not know you, Christ. We pray that you would save them. Um, that you would transform them, that you would open their eyes to see the beauty and the majesty of Jesus Christ and what he did for them to pay for their sins in full on the cross and to make them right with God. And, and so, Father, we pray that you would save our family, our friends uh, who do not know you. Um, we're thankful for this class. We're thankful for the weeks to come. Uh, and we're looking forward to growing together um, in compassion for and outreach to those who don't know you. Um, and so, Jesus, we love you. We pray this in your name. Amen.